0: Welcome back to the Jellybean Medicine Podcast. My name is Steph and I'm a final year medical student with a love for PEDS. Alongside the Bond University Pediatric Club, we'll be giving you the rundown of all the high-yield PEDS topics, all based from Australian guidelines. Let's get into our first topic for this week, which is Pediatric Sepsis. Before we begin, I highly suggest everyone look at the Queensland paediatric flowchart on the emergency management of sepsis and it's quite good in terms of giving a rundown of everything we're going to cover today. So what is sepsis? Sepsis is a life-threatening medical emergency. Queensland Health defines it as a systemic inflammatory response syndrome in the presence of or as a result of suspected or proven infection. It's a leading cause of mortality and morbidity in children in Australia, and it involves organ dysfunction, and this is caused by a dysregulation of the host response to an infection. So what is septic shock? Septic shock is sepsis with cardiovascular dysfunction. And the thing about septic shock is it can be classified into cold shock or warm shock. We usually see cold shock in infants and young kids, and they'll have a prolonged cat refill time, and also cold peripheries. Warm shock, on the other hand, is usually found in adults or older children, and what you'll see are bounding pulses and a reduced cap refill time. The thing to note about septic shock is that hypotension is a late sign. What are the risk factors for sepsis? Children at risk of sepsis are neonates and premature infants, immunocompromised children, those with an indwelling line or a catheter, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, and children on long-term steroid use. What are some things that can cause sepsis? There are many different causes, and these can include meningitis, and encephalitis, toxic shock syndrome, pneumonia, pyelonephritis, and the list continues. But let's have a think about the common organisms which can cause sepsis. Usually these organisms are bacterial. So in children less than two months of age, we usually find E. coli and group B strep as a causative agent. The common organisms in older children, so those older than neonates, are Neisseria meningitis, Streptococcus pneumoniae, Staphylococcus and Group A strep. So what does a septic child actually look like? Children will have a fever of over 38.5, but usually in infants the presentation can be nonspecific, so this can present as feeding difficulties or apnea and fatigue. In older children, however, they can have hypothermia, vomiting, tachycardia, and altered mental state. Some toxic features to look out for are seizures, moderate to severe dehydration, and any increased work of breathing. So like a grunt or a weak cry. Just a little handy tip, pediatric vital signs vary with age. So it might be great to get a pediatric vital sign card to put on your lanyard. That way you're never confused about what's the appropriate vital sign for that child. Let's think about the red flags when a child comes in with sepsis. These include a very concerned parent, re-presentation within 48 hours, not being responsive to treatment, and also having recent surgery or burns. Now onto the diagnosis of sepsis. So the diagnosis is clinical and you would use your laboratory studies to support your suspicion. As with any deteriorating patient, you would want to do a clinical assessment. So do your A to E's, and then afterwards, you would want to do your secondary assessment, which includes your history, examination, and investigations. So this is the process that you would use for every critically ill patient. Another thing to think about is assessing how responsive they are. So you can use the AVPU assessment. A is alert, V is response to voice, P is response to pain, and U is unresponsive. Another thing to remember is when assessing the cat refill time, You want to be pressing on the sternum for about five seconds, and then you measure the time for colour to return, so it will be prolonged if it's greater than two seconds. So the patient has come in, you've done an assessment, and you really think this child has sepsis. What are your priorities and management in the first 15 minutes? The first thing is early recognition and calling a senior. The second thing, as I said before, is managing your airway, your breathing and your oxygen. Thirdly, you want to have IV or IO access. Immediately after that, you want to start them on empiric antibiotics. Queensland guidelines has a really good flowchart of the antibiotics to use, but I'll just quickly go through them. So basically, if they're less than two months of age, then you give them ampicillin or amoxicillin IV 50 milligrams per kilogram, and then you add on cefotaxime. IV 50 milligrams per kilogram. If they're older than two months, then you give them kefotaxime, IV 50 milligrams per kilogram, or keftriaxone, IV 100 milligrams per kilogram. So basically the difference is, if they're less than two months, you give them ampicillin or amoxicillin plus kefotaxime. But if they're older than two months, you just give them one antibiotic, either kefotaxime or keftriaxone. Remember that you want to give them IV antibiotics within the first 15 minutes. But if for some reason you can't achieve this IV access, you can just give intramuscular Keftriaxone 50 milligrams per kilogram. Okay, so you just gave this child antibiotics. The next thing you want to be doing is giving them some fluids. Basically, you want to be giving them 20mls per kilogram bolus of sodium chloride 0.9%. In neonates, you want to be giving them half, so 10 meals per kilogram. After giving fluids, the next thing is to be looking at if they need circulatory support. So in sepsis, the myocardium is dysfunctional because you have all these circulating cytokines and toxins and that decreases the contractility of the myocardium. So this is when you want to consider inotropic support or vasopressors. The drug to use here is adrenaline, so you'd give 0.05 to 0.2 mics per kilogram per minute. You would mainly give adrenaline if you've given the maximum dose of fluids and the patient is still deteriorating. The next thing to consider after circulatory support is whether or not they have DIC, so disseminated intravascular coagulation. This is where you have abnormal blood clotting and the consumption of clotting factors. So for these patients you would want to consider fresh frozen plasma and platelet transfusions. The next thing you want to be doing is looking at the investigations to order. So we need to be thinking about what are the components of a septic screen. A septic screen includes blood culture. The thing about blood culture is that the sensitivity increases with more blood volume and impedes only aerobic bloods are needed. After taking a blood culture, the next thing is looking at the bloods. So you want a full blood count, including a white cell count and platelet count, CRP, UNEs, LFTs, COAG studies, and also a group and hold. Next, you would want to be getting a urine sample. You might also consider doing a chest X-ray or a lumbar puncture as part of your septic screen. The next thing to think about is when to escalate. You would escalate when there is no improvement after maximum fluid resus if you've had to give them inotropes, if they have a reduced level of consciousness, if they have deteriorating vital signs, and if their lactate is greater than four millimoles per liter. Now onto the fun part of the episode where I get to quiz you on two questions on the topic we just covered. So the first question is going to be, you have a one month old neonate. She's irritable, not feeding well, and lethargic. You suspect she might have sepsis. What are two possible causative organisms in this child? The two possible organisms in this child can be E. coli and group B strep. The next question is a two part question. So you have an eight year old girl and she's brought into the ED by her concerned mother. The mother states that she's had a two day history of high temperatures at about 39 degrees and chills. She has known sickle cell disease. The child looks pale, appears anxious and is tachycardic. The first part of the question is what from the history are you worried about? So you're worried about the high level of parental concern, the fact that she's febrile at 39 degrees, that she's also immunocompromised by having sickle cell disease, and clinically she looks unwell. She's pale, she's anxious, and she's tachycardic. The second part of the question is what antibiotics would you give if she was 25 kilos? The antibiotic of choice, according to the Queensland Health Guidelines, are cefotaxime IV 50 milligrams per kilogramme. So she's 25 kilos. So all you're gonna be doing is 50 times 25. So that makes it 1,250 milligrams IV. That's all we have time for today, but I hope you found this episode super helpful. If there's a topic you'd like covered, then please shoot us a message via our Instagram at Medicine. We'll see you in our next episode on meningitis.